Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to today's Spirecast and uh, thrilled that you could join us from wherever you're at. Uh, I'm Gene Apple. I serve at Eastside Christian Church in Anaheim, California. And of course, the vision of Spire is this movement of healthy growing churches. And uh, through the Spire app, through the Spire conference, Spire blog, Spire huddles, and of course, this Spirecast, uh, we want to help you move the best ministry ideas into actionable steps. It's a it's a chance to engage in person with some of the presenters from the Spire Conference. Ask your biggest questions. Of course, we're fired up, as you just saw in the video, for the uh, next Spire Conference uh, this September in Nashville. But today we want to we want to spend a few minutes talking about a universal challenge every church eventually faces. Uh, what do you do when your church gets stuck? How do you get unstuck? How do you get back on track? Maybe there's some special challenges during this COVID-19 era that have hit. And I'm thrilled to have joining me today, Landon Pickering. Landon's the lead pastor of Trademark Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Welcome, Landon. Thanks, Gene. Thanks for having me. So uh, how bad did you guys get hit by the weather this weekend in Texas? Well, for, for snow here, it's a, it's a big deal. We got hit pretty, pretty good. So power is actually out in all the surrounding neighborhoods. Fortunately, we had some power uh, up at the church. So I drove up here and, uh, and was able to still, still be on. But it's quite unusual for us to get this type of, of, of weather. So everyone's trying to navigate it right now. If a global pandemic doesn't take you out, a massive ice storm does. <laughs> Snowstorm hey, will, yes. Hey, are, 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 I'm just curious. Are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? Uh, I'm, I'm, I am no, sorry. Been there forever. So. I saw a great meme making the rounds the other day, Tom Brady in a Cowboys uniform. And the caption was the only way to stop Tom Brady from getting another ring. <laughs> to put him on the Cowboys. <laughs> That's called put him on the Cowboys team. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Hey, uh, I've invited Landon to join me today because it was three years ago this month that he stepped into the role of leading a church that had gotten stuck, needed a new future, and God used him to help lead and shepherd and re-envision what used to be known as Southwest Christian Church. And uh, so I'm thrilled to hear a little bit of your story today. And we're also going to hear from uh, my friend Steve Kay. Steve was the former pastor of the Redlands Church of Christ in Redlands, California. And sadly, uh, Steve contracted COVID-19 in November and passed away, met Jesus less than two weeks later, and we've been praying for his wife, Debbie, and their family. But as you hear his story today, I think you'll have a sense of urgency, uh, you know, to do whatever we can do to get our churches unstuck and moving forward, and Steve certainly did that while he had every opportunity. So I think we're just going to dive in, and uh, we'll come back, and we're going to take some of your questions, so get your questions ready. You can put them in the chat later if you want, and uh, uh, we'll be ready to go. And uh, let's jump in. Anybody remember what uh, this is? This is what's known in management and leadership circles as the organizational S-curve. This charts the predictable progress of every organization over time. This is true for businesses, for nonprofit organizations, and this is true for every church. Every church begins with a God-honoring vision that says, wouldn't it be exciting if we could advance God's work in the hearts and lives of people? And they dream of lives changing and making disciples. But as every church planter knows, this is harder than anyone thinks it's going to be. In fact, some church plants don't even make it past this point. 
but others by God's grace turn the corner and one life starts to change and then another and another and all the growth means they have to put structures and policies and procedures in place and launch more programs and more ministries and more programs and more ministries and over time churches tend to be overmanaged and underled with an emphasis on budgets and buildings and maintenance and there's a gradual drifting away from doing whatever it takes to reach people far from God. And the church becomes more concerned about keeping everyone than reaching anyone. And eventually, the church gets stuck. In fact, a quick look at history tells us this will happen to every church. It will happen to today's most exciting and innovative church plants, to mega churches and smaller churches and medium-sized churches, to urban, suburban, and rural churches. And given enough time, it will happen to your church. And if something dramatic doesn't happen, new wine and new wine skins, it will eventually die a slow death. In fact, today, it's estimated 80% of all churches are either plateaued or declining. Now, before COVID-19 hit, it was estimated that five to 10,000 churches in North America would hold their last worship service, sing their last worship song, and say their last prayers and close their doors for the last time this year. But since COVID-19, it's anybody's guess. Some estimates are as high as one out of five churches will close within 18 months. So what do you do if your church is stuck? This is where you fall on your knees and courageously pray, God, what's next? What's the fresh wind you want to blow among us? What's the new path you want us to take? Now, there's certainly not a one-size-fits-all approach. So over the next 10 minutes, I want to introduce you to two very courageous church leaders who each chose a very different path that led to a dynamic, fresh wind of growth and impact. Hey everyone, my name's Landon Pickering. I'm the lead pastor at Trademark Church in Fort Worth, Texas, and I'm so excited that I get to take just a couple minutes and share the story of our church with you today. Our church was established as Southwest Christian Church in February of 1969. Uh, I came on board in February of 2018, and so I was stepping in as lead pastor uh, into 49 years of established church history. And over those past 49 years, God had done some tremendous things, and um, he had moved in significant ways, but I was entering into a season that, that was somewhat difficult. Uh, we had kind of plateaued as a church, and actually we were in decline, and there weren't a lot of things happening uh, as far as life change taking place. Uh, and so myself and the elders, we, we knew that we had to make some changes if our church was going to survive, and not just survive, but thrive. And I want to talk to you about some of those changes in just a moment, but I want to share with you some of the significant things that God has done over the past two and a half years here at our church. Uh, one of those things is that we have seen a huge increase in attendance. We were averaging about 130 people on a Sunday morning. Uh, in the past two and a half years, we have uh, seen 650 people on average uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, we have uh, seen 800 people get involved with small groups and connect to community and begin to grow spiritually. 
Uh, we have seen our annual budget double in two and a half years. And, and on top of that, the thing that we love to celebrate more than anything is that we have baptized 137 people in the past two and a half years. It's been so incredible to see God move in this place. But there were some things that we had to do, and, and I wanna share those with you today because I believe they may help you if you find yourself in a season of being stuck. And the first thing is this, we had to reevaluate our vision. We had to look at our vision and to say, does this vision make sense? Does this vision fit the, the current season that we're in and where we wanna go uh, as a church? And so we really began to ask ourselves three simple questions. Is our vision simple? Is it biblical? And, and is it understandable? And those would be things that I would encourage you to think about if you believe that you need to maybe reevaluate your vision. And as we asked ourselves those questions, uh, we came up with a new vision for our church. And it was very simple. We believe it's understandable, but most importantly, we believe it's biblical. We believe that our church exists to love, serve, and lead people to a fulfilling life in Jesus. And ultimately, that vision led to us celebrating 50 years as a church and changing our name as we began to move in a new direction with a new vision. Uh, we believe that was a huge part of what God has done here. The other thing that we had to do is we had to refocus our attention. We had to really ask ourselves another question. Where is our time and money, our time and our resources being spent? Are, are we allocating our funds in the right direction? Uh, is the team and the leadership focused on, on the right things? And we begin to refocus our attention. We begin to be very outreach driven in, in the area uh, uh, that God had placed us. And we began to see a lot of new life take place. And I'm proud to say that we are now a multi-generational, multi-racial church that reflects the demographic of our community uh, around us. And so we had to reevaluate our vision. We had to refocus our attention. And lastly, we had to reorganize our leadership structure. We had to take a hard look at where people were, what position they were in, who was serving where. And, and that really started in two major areas, our kids area, uh, our worship area, and actually I'd add a third, our first impressions, what people experienced the minute they got onto our property uh, on a Sunday morning. And, and so those were the three major things that we had to do. We had to reevaluate our vision, we had to refocus our attention, and we had to reorganize our leadership structure. Listen, I hope those things are helpful for you if you feel like you're in a season of being stuck. Uh, but I want you to know more than anything, here at Trademark Church, we're praying for you. We believe that God wants to see significant things happen with every leader in every church. And so we're praying for you, we're cheering you on, cheering you on and we believe that the best is ahead. There's gonna be a lot of hard work involved. You gotta make the changes, but we believe God will bless you because of it. We love you guys and thank you for giving us an opportunity to share our story. Hello, I'm Stephen Kay, and until December of 2018, I had served for 23 years as the pulpit minister and one of the elders for the Redlands Church of Christ. And following years and years of decline, we had come to realize that we were a dying church. The year before, in the fall of 2017, we began as elders to try and find a way to turn our decline around and bring life back to our church and reach our community with the gospel. We were down to just 60 active members, which even at that number made us larger than 50% of the other churches of Christ in the United States. We began to pray and ask the congregation to pray that God would show us a way, that God would show us what we needed to do to reach our community. 
And it was amazing how God began to show himself to us in so many different ways. And indeed, the journey we went on during the following year was totally guided by God. But I want to caution you. Don't pray that prayer unless you're sincerely determined to follow what he shows you you need to do because he has answers for your problems. We knew that trying harder at the same old things we had always done was not going to bring about any different results. We put together a team of members. Some of them had a very long history with the congregation, but all of them were open to the possibility of change. We talked with some consultants and I shared with them that Unfortunately, most of the churches of Christ in California have never been able to reach into the culture of their communities. And we were made up for the most part of transplants from the Midwest. The consultant said, well, why don't you talk to some successful churches in your area, ask what they're doing. So we began to do that. And one thing that we learned about that time is that there really weren't any growing acapella churches of Christ in California. So obviously there were gonna be to be some drastic changes that we needed to bring about. We found a growing successful community church near us and we reached out asking for some help to turn some things around. And they responded so graciously. They sent one of their pastors to us and he led us through a SWAT exercise. We looked at our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. The exercise showed that we had been in a decades and decades long decline. That we needed to bring about so many different changes, even a, even a change of culture. We become so inward focused one of the things we began to realize through a book that they shared with us called Better Together is that it's impossible to change the culture of a church without the infusion of new blood and that new blood has to have a different attitude. You can't bring in new blood from another dying church. That's not going to work. Through all of this study and all of this prayer, we began to realize that what we needed to do was to merge with a growing, active, and vibrant church to unite with them. As we looked at the first church that we had reached out to, we realized that a merger wasn't going to work with them. The theology was just too different. And while we could give up acapella worship, we just couldn't give up weekly communion. So God led us to Eastside Christian Church where Gene Apple is the lead pastor. And since we understood that churches don't join churches, it's people who join people, they began to send some of their people over to worship with us. And they did a sample service for us and shared their vision of what a merger would look like and accomplish in Redlands. And we decided that we would merge with them. When we held the vote about dissolving the Redlands Church of Christ Corporation to merge and become Eastside Redlands, the vote was 70 for the merge and only five against. That was an amazing outcome. I don't want to tell you that as we began the merger process with an updated worship, many of our members' children and grandchildren began coming back. And within a few weeks, attendance had grown from 60 to 100. And in the year following, they grew to be around 300 in attendance with monthly baptisms. And so many of our members who had stayed were now involved in working harder than they ever had in so many different ministries. It has been an amazing experience to see how God answered our prayers. It was almost as if we had brought to him our few loaves and fishes and he had just multiplied them. And I wish you all well as you struggle with being the church that God wants you to be. I'm deeply moved and inspired by both of those stories. In Landon's case, they courageously reimagined and rebooted their entire church through transformation. In Steve's case, they relaunched and reignited as they merged with us at Eastside. And so here's the big question right now. If you know deep down your church is stuck, if, if this is where you find yourself on the yes curve today, 
Will you have the courage to fall to your knees and sincerely pray, God, what's next? What's the fresh wind that you want to blow among us during and post-COVID-19? Do we reinvent like Trademark Church? Do we merge with the vision and resources of another church like the Redlands Church of Christ? Or maybe we could leave a legacy by giving our church building to a growing new church plant. This is all quite personal to me because I've served as the lead pastor of two churches and both of them were stuck when I arrived. Both were declining and aging, but in both cases, God raised up some courageous leaders to help us get unstuck. When I first came to Eastside 12 years ago tomorrow, one of our longtime elders, Jerry Lauer, was a little over 70 at the time. He'd been a part of the church for over 40 years, but this humble and courageous leader knew that unless we made some significant changes, it would only be a matter of time before we became another statistic of churches closing their doors. And so Jerry pulled me aside one day and said, Gene, we've got to do something different. So lead us. We will support you. And then he said, and don't worry about the old people. I'll take care of the old people. And you know what? He did. I'm convinced every church needs some Jerry Lowers. Jerry has since gone to be with Jesus, but I will forever be grateful to him and many others like him who had the courage and humility to say, let's rethink the way we're doing church for a new generation. Let's pray and believe God for great things. Let's reimagine, reboot, and reignite our mission to make disciples of Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, you're going to be that humble and courageous leader at your church. Maybe you're the Jerry Lauer God is tapping on the shoulder right now who is ready to declare the stakes are too high to stay stuck and do nothing while heaven and hell are hanging in the balance. Maybe you're the one who will gather some other leaders together and humbly and courageously pray, God, what's next? What's the new thing you want to do? What's the fresh wind that you want to blow? I'm praying that some of you sense that call today. And if you do, I guarantee you, all of heaven will be cheering for you. Well, all, all of us find ourselves in different situations with different challenges, and those different challenges require different strategies. And uh, if you have some questions, you can just enter them in the chat. But I want to start with a question for Landon. You know, there, there's different options when a church gets stuck. You know, you can merge with a, another healthy church. Some churches even liquidate their assets, give them to a new church plant or give their building. Uh, but Landon, uh, like many churches do, you know, have the desire to reinvent. That was the challenge of what was then Southwest Christian Church. And Landon, you talked about reevaluating your vision to something that's simple, biblical, understandable. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about some of the process that you went through with your elders and team, because I think that's where a lot of us get stuck is, you know, God puts in the heart of a, a, a lead pastor, or a senior minister, you know, some kind of a change, but, but don't know how to process where it's not just me doing it, but, it, but it's we doing it. Could you talk a little bit about your process of, of leading together? Yeah. So, so first I'll say this, it, leading together with it, with your elders or your leadership team, um, what I've discovered is it goes a little bit slower than, than you as a leader want it to go sometimes. And so 
uh, I'm a very visionary leader. I like to move fast. I like to be on the go. And so um, I've learned in this process um, how important it is to to bring people along. And so often God will put a vision in a leader's heart, uh, but you're going to need support around you. And so our our first step really was making sure that um, the staff that was here, the current elders that were serving, and even some key leaders and some key personalities in the church were able to be in a room and to personally hear that vision from me, to get to hear my heart, get to hear why this is why we need to move in the right direction, um, because you need people that are going to be able to carry that vision out. And so that process was a lot of um time in a conference room. It was a lot of time of answering questions. It was a lot of time of of really bringing clarity to that vision so everyone could communicate that vision as they got bought into it. Um, uh, it, it, it. As a leader, because God's implanted it in you, there's a lot of things that, that I had to almost backtrack on. So the vision for our church, my wife and I wanted to plan a church and then God orchestrated all of this. And so we had been working already uh, on this vision that God had dropped into our heart. Um, and so I had to backtrack a little bit because I was so excited. I was so ready to go. I was so ready to grow. I was so ready to do all of these things that I kind of had to go all the way back to square one and walk people through this journey um, of me wrestling with God in defining this vision and figuring it out for myself. Um, I think a lot of times, we get the vision, we work it out internally, or we wrestle with God or in prayer, and then we're ready to hit the ground running. And then we're kind of frustrated when people don't understand it or they don't get it. And and for me, so much of our leadership team, so many of our elders had not spent time on the full-time ministry side of things. And so it was helping them understand kind of the rhythm and the ebb and flow of how this needs to unfold and in the time frame in which it needs to unfold. So it was a lot of meetings. It was a lot of conversations. Uh, in all honesty, it was it was doing some things that I hadn't done for years, which was going to people's house for dinner and sharing the vision with them at the dinner <laughs> yeah. table, going to some small groups, answering all of the questions from amazing questions. Wow, I didn't think of that to like, that wasn't a great question, but I'm yeah, going to answer yeah. it anyways. You just have to work through that because your goal isn't to come in and blow the doors off the place and get everybody to leave and start over. It's to bring as many people along with you. Now, we lost people in the process of that, sure. but we tried to do the best that we could to answer every question and to get people bought into the vision um, in the one on one and in the personal yeah, that that's so wise. I often talk about when you're leading through change, you know, before you can plant the seed or the new vision, you've got to cultivate the soil. That's great. And, you know, that's that time that you took, uh, you know, over months, you know, not not days, not weeks, but months. Yes. And uh, and that's so important, I think, for uh, church leaders to plant into their brains. They got to take a long term look and say, mm -hmm. You know, where can we be in five years if I take this the right yes. timing right now versus where could we be in the next six months? Hey, uh, something else that you talked about that I, I thought was so, uh, so valuable for people. You talked about, OK, once you came up with the new vision, you had to realign your resources and your leadership structures. And so many times I think churches say, OK, 
we've got a vision. Here's what we're going to do. But then they just keep doing everything that they've all, you know, it's yeah. like a statement on the wall, but it doesn't yeah. impact anything yeah. in, in, in what they do. So what did that look like for you as you kind of started to realign some structures and where resources went, et cetera, for the fulfillment of that? Yeah. So so we, we took a hard look at, OK, where were we located geographically as a church? What did the demographic around us look like? What what we did? St- studies and looked at studies and different things on what what are people looking for when they come uh, to church? What draws people to a church? And so if we were truly, our vision is to love, serve and lead people to a fulfilling life in Jesus. Uh, if we're not reaching them, we're not going to be able to lead them. Uh, if, if we're not getting them to show up, to get involved and to be a part. So um, we had to take a hard look at what are the things, what are the crucial things that people want Um, or that they're looking for when they show up to a church. And so right off of the bat for us, um, we we were spending a lot of resources in in, um, outside missions, which is great. But we had to take we had to really comb through our budget and say, okay, where are the finances that we have? Where is it being spent? And what do we need to do to reallocate? We needed to do a total renovation of our kids area. So when I got here, I mean, you know, stained carpet, ceiling tiles missing, you know, and this isn't a knock. It, it just there was no vision in that area um, and there weren't many kids showing up. So there wasn't mm-hmm. really a big need. But if we looked at the demographic of our area, it's a lot of young families with small children. And so we said man, we, we've got to put a fresh coat of paint on these walls. Uh, and that meant that we had to we had to say, hey, we we're not going to be able to give this. a month that we've been giving for years to this international mission thing. It doesn't mean that we won't come back to that, but in this season, we've got to reevaluate. We've got to make sure that we're taking care of, of the community that God's called us to first. Mm -hmm. And so kids was a big deal. Worship was a big deal, creating an environment that, that people wanted to come and and worship and our first impressions. Um, getting people at the front door with smiles, getting some people parking some cars and doing some of those things, offering some coffee. So we had to we had to take a look at the budget, the resources that we had, reallocate those to 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 really what I would say. Those are the three key key areas for us were kids, our first impressions and changing our worship dynamic a little bit. And so um, but but it took it took again getting the right people in the room casting that vision to them, making sure they understood. And I think most people understand those things because we got very, very little pushback on on any of those changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't think people had really thought through those things and there wasn't somebody leading them through that. I think most yeah. people want to see the church that they attend grow and thrive. They just need somebody to lead them through it. Yeah, well, so often, you know, uh, Steve Kay was mentioned in his presentation about how you can't always change an existing uh, place without some new blood. And it's that new blood that helps you have a new set of eyes because we get Mm -hmm. store blind. You know, we we don't notice the stains on the on the ceiling tiles. We don't notice that it needs to be repainted or there's clutter or, you know, that the that are that if we bring a friend to church, they wouldn't experience the worship experience in the same way that we do because we know mm-hmm. so-and-so on the worship team or whatever. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's so wise. I think those areas too of looking at kids and the worship experience and your first impressions are critical areas in every church that, that are often 
uh, stuck. So, hey, uh, boy, time's flipping away a lot faster than I thought it would here. Uh, questions you guys have out there, uh, you know, for Landon, you want to talk about church mergers, want to talk about uh, working with elders, um, anything at all. So glad to have uh, a good group of you on today. And of course, this will replay too, that you can share it with others uh, after we're done today. Here, Nathan, uh, a lot of churches and churchgoers feel like there isn't much they can do right now with COVID. How can we as leaders help people to engage and be inspired to be like Christ in this time? And I, I just think fundamentally, uh, Nathan, you know, I'll, I'll take a stab at this, that we've got to treat this time like any other time as far as engaging people. It's, it's our methods that are different. It's our uh, st strategies that we're using and how we do it. But if our but if, but if we're just kind of stuck ourselves right now and think I've got to wait till the COVID era passes before I can, uh, before I can uh, have conversations about the future, dream dreams, I, I think we're making a, a fundamental era error in that, in that now, now's the time. In fact, now's kind of a good time because you, you've got some margin that you wouldn't have in some other times in, in some locations beca because you're limited. Uh, in that. I see a, another uh, question coming in on the chat from uh, Ryan Price as a senior a pastor. Question. Yeah, what if the elders uh, are not on board with changing the culture? And so <laughs> this is an area that I don't think senior pastors talk about enough because you usually see a leader talking about what they did with their volunteers, with their staff, etc. But we all know that uh, uh, change either moves forward or does, it doesn't and can be blocked quickly by an elder board. And I would just go back, uh, uh, Ryan, to something that, that, that Landon modeled for us as he was talking about it. He spent time with his elders. He spent time with the people that he was in their homes. They were having conversations. They had chances to process and question them. Yeah, just a couple of things that I have found over the years that have been really helpful to me on that is if I can get some elders out of town or to go visit another church or to, to have an outside, quote, expert talk with them, Sometimes that gets us two years further down the road in a, in a day or two than we could just be in our conversation. So I would look for opportunities to expose your elders that would change their thinking where you're not the only expert in the room mm -hmm. uh, trying, trying to lead them. Gene, that's, uh, that's great. We actually um, took our elders, a few of our elders over to Compass Christian Church with Drew Sherman and their team. And we're able to to expose them because because most of the in my opinion, most of the reluctancy to change is simply because they haven't seen that change happen. And mm -hmm. and so or they haven't had it explained to them or they haven't seen a good model of it or they just haven't been exposed to a whole lot. And so one of the, the key things for us was there was two larger churches in our areas, Compass being one of them, another one called um, uh, High Ridge that we were able to take our team to our elder board to, they got to interact with those elders, that staff, that church, ask their questions for when did you guys make these changes? What did you do when you lost friends? What And really process that with, with, with another group of guys that are in their same position 
it was so helpful, hugely helpful to us. That's so wise. That, that's really wise leadership, Landon. Uh, Tom Warren's asking, curious how the merger process worked for Eastside uh, with with Eastside and Redlands. And Tom, we've done uh, three different mergers uh, with churches at Eastside, and in every case, each of them started with the the church that merged with us contacted us. So, so in the case with Redlands, I got an email one night about 11 o'clock from Steve K just saying, Hey, we've been praying about our future. Would you guys be open to a conversation? And uh, that's kind of how all three of our mergers started. Somebody reached out to us that had some connection, some relationship with, in this case, uh, Jeff Walling had uh, a friend of mine, had mutual family members at this church said, hey, you guys really ought to talk to Eastside. And they, they reached out. And then that started a series of conversation over months with the uh, Steve Kay, who was the lead pastor at, in the church at that time, and his elders. And they had, in that case, they had already come to the conclusion that they needed to merge with somebody. They were looking like who's going to be the right fit. And then, of course, there was processing with congregational meetings. We did sample services uh, with the uh, congregation so they could experience what an Eastside thing was like. And then there was actual vote. And uh, this happened, this process happened over about, you know, four months, four to six months. And then at the end of it, we actually closed the church for about four weeks while we did some renovations and repainting and rebranding. And during those weeks, we met with what was the existing core to train them like as volunteers and to vision cast and have communion together. Uh, if you contact me offline, uh, Tom, you want to know more information about that. Uh, be glad to do that. Uh, we're, we're running out of time here and I see so, some, some great questions. Let me take a quick one at, at Chandler voices uh, question on what was your toughest elder conversation or hardest thing to get elders on board with. And, uh, Chandler, the one thing I would say on this is that when you're leading through change, you have to think of it as a series of conversations and not just a conversation. And there are going to be a number of defining things. So, for instance, when we were going through lots of change at Eastside in my early years here, there were conversations about, do we want to go to a simple model of ministry? We'd been a complex church. and We we decided to add all our elders read the book, Simple Church, and there was a key decision. Do we want to go to that? Then there was a key decision about, okay, what are going to be the, the big values of our church? And then there was a decision about what are going to be the expression of those values? And uh, how will we, what will we measure progress? Those conversations took place uh, over months, not days or weeks. And uh, I I'd just encourage you to keep that up. I don't know, Landon, could you hear any of that? I, I couldn't. I think our internet yeah, dropped I thought you out. Jumped out. No worries. Stuff, but I got back no, in. No worries. Hey, hey, uh, gang, we're going to have to, we're, we're six minutes overtime here. So we're going to have to wrap things up. And I just want to thank Landon for joining me today. Thank yeah. all of you for joining me. Thanks to uh, Spire team, Chaz Robbins has been behind the scenes making all the technology and everything work. And I hope, man, I'd love to see all of you 
in Nashville uh, next September at the Gaylord for uh, Spire Conference. I'm bringing a team and would love to see you there. And so we're going to wrap up today. And uh, God bless all you guys. Really enjoyed spending some time with you today. 